It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi. What's up? Not a whole lot. Welcome to the Super Media Bros podcast. I'm in that agent raw and I'm Okami. Ah, one of the one of the episodes we didn't want to have to do. We but, didn't see it coming. Not this soon at least. Nah. Um we'll probably have some funny memories and things like that, but for the most part it's it's not necessarily like oh yay or complete bummer. Mm-hmm. But uh Obviously, if you haven't read the episode title or have not listened to the news for the last week or so, this is an episode about Stan Lee. And all the good he has brought to all of nerd culture. Oh, fuck yeah. And we're not going to get, like, uh, how do I put this? We're not going to do a full-blown, like, we're not gonna biography. Dis- <laughs> yeah, we're not going to dissect his life, like, year for year because pretty much everybody already knows you know, what Stan Lee has been, what he's done, who he was, you know, et cetera. So this is more of just, like, what has he done for us, like, individually? What have you done for me lately? <laughs> but, yeah, seriously. It, it's pretty much just two friends sitting here talking about our childhood where Stan Lee was involved as far as just Marvel Comics in general for the both of us because we both grew up reading plenty of this plenty of this material but one thing I've always personally enjoyed was just how the comics impacted you in a separate way other than entertainment because I felt Marvel's characters the ones that he helped co-create um the the reason I was always drawn to him is because of the humanistic quality of all these characters and how you were able to relate to any one of them, somebody could be going through the same, you know, shit, especially, you know, people like Peter Parker, who struggles trying to be this, you know, high school kid going through real life kid stuff, but still having to, you know, bear the burden of being a hero, even like, though he wants to, you know, or like the X-Men who go through, you know, prejudice and all the hate that the world has to offer because they're different, you know? Yeah. That's, we we yeah. pretty much live in that right now, and it's just it's interesting that when the rise of DC started happening, you know, many many decades ago, 
that their characters were more of the title of superhero like they were the gods they were the power you know that you would think of in a character but there was no not too many human traits to them that you can relate to and then you know marvel came around with stan lee and all the others and like you said they make them more sociably relatable not just like oh well i go through these certain struggles but they even gone as far as like certain you know mental illnesses certain like um you know the lesbian gay stuff like that they actually tackle a lot of these common issues that we deal with in society so it's refreshing to see that we get like you said both the entertainment aspect and the relatability of these characters and that's a good way to draw people in because you know i know people are interested in reading about certain personality types or certain you know events in life that you know what causes this or how do i deal with you know da 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 but there like you said there's the entertainment quality of these comments that to draw you in you get attached to these characters um i mean <clears throat> for me one of my earliest memories was um when there was a a store open here in town called kb drugs they sold comic books like near the newsstands and i remember that every like week i would go over there and i'd pick like two or three comic books out off the, off the racks and it was almost always a spider-man or an x-men comic Mm-hmm. And that's where my interest in everything started. It was probably like, I was probably like six or seven, really. And, you know, the more I read about them, because I was, you know, young enough to where I wasn't getting things in the correct order. It wasn't until much later in life that I was like, okay, I can get all these trade paperbacks, you know, these stories that I grew up uh, reading condensed together. I think what did it for me was being able to see the comics but then oh hey there's actually you know we look back on them now and we we sit there and go all oh, the 1978 spider-man movie was ugh. or you know the incredible hulk tv series which was st- it still holds up today but you see like daredevil and thor being introduced in that series and you're just like man i hope one day we get you know good visual representation but at the time growing up that's what we had and we we loved it for what it was because we saw our heroes on screen Mm -hmm. and uh some of those characters obviously stan has helped influence or co-create with jack kirby and then steve ditko which was spider-man so i remember my first memory was um watching the 78 spider-man which i don't know if you've (laughs) checked that out but it's the the suit design is almost the same as that japanese (laughs) spider-man yeah have you seen the clips of that that float around yeah i have oh god and that is pretty funny but i mean i think stan just loved the idea of these characters just being on screen he you can tell in his cameos he cameoed in a lot of the you know live action stuff Mm -hmm. and yeah but i mean that's my childhood memory is definitely spider-man and x-men and i'll get into more characters later but what about you i think i was eight or nine i want to say I primarily didn't grow up in a a family environment that was very into like the nerd culture or the, you know, science fiction or anything like that. So I had to eventually kind of find it myself and surround myself with people that knew about it. And I was in middle school and my mom had met this guy. I don't remember his name at the time because it's so many years ago, but he offered me this clear Game Boy the brick one, like the big massive one. Oh yeah. And a case of games. And I was like five of them, I think is in there. 
And one of the games I was thumbing through was Iron Man, uh, Man of War and uh, Heavy Metal. And I'm like, well, what is this? Like, I've never seen this before. So I started playing it, and, you know, back in the day, like, you know, Game Boy was a shit, so I immediately got hooked on to the game. And I was like, well, who is Iron Man? So as I, you know, got more into it, my school that I went to, you know, there were a couple of kids my age that were into the same stuff that I was, and there was one kid that I knew. He would offer me, like, comics to read, and if I wanted to buy them off of him, I would, you know, be able to do so because my mom wouldn't bring me to go buy them basically so I would just you know bring some money to school and be like you know hey I like these I want these and I ended up buying a good 10 or 20 comics at one point some of my first ones were like the Punisher um I think I had one Spider-Man comic uh and then there was a bunch of like random like uh Dark Horse comics I came across but like those are the two main ones that stuck out for me but I was wanting to eventually find out more about Iron Man and then as the years progressed you know, I started getting the ability to research more into it. And that's when, you know, I started going to the comic store here in Lake Charles and actually, you know, diving into the world more than I wanted to back in the day. So my introduction was Iron Man, obviously. And ever since then, you know, I just, I liked his character as a whole because he, he shines in the personality and like the intelligence, but at the same time he has his own demons, you know, he deals with alcoholism. He deals with, you know, just the strains of moral right and wrong. And, like, he takes things to heart whenever he fucks up. Yeah. So it's, you know, I don't really relate with the alcoholism part, but I do relate on some aspects. Like, you know, I do take things, like, heavy-hearted whenever, you know, I puck up or anything like that. And then, you know, I started finding these other characters like, you know, you know Iron, uh, Thor and hulk and x-men which i got into the x-men games not long after that on the playstation 2 when i was in college so that kind of helped spur it even more so but yeah like that that day when i got that game boy in my hand with that game that was like the breaking point for me for comics yeah and you were going on with video games and that was my next kind of natural progression because like see the comics read a few of them see some movies like we you know i've said this plenty of times but my family owned a video store back in the day but when we decided not to continue with it anymore, there were, you know, several stores in town. And I remember uh, Curtis Mathis being one of those stores that sold video or sold videotapes and rented them. And I would always go in there and I would rent, like I said, I would rent that 1978 Spider-Man for so long. But then I would see video games because obviously, you know, and I think one of the, I'm trying to remember, I think one of the first ones, that I picked up was the uh, Spider-Man, uh, the Sinister Six game for the NES. That was one of the first Spider-Man games I played, but um, Spider-Man Maximum Carnage was, I think, the first Spider-Man game that I was just die hard about. Um, there was also the Spider-Man X-Men Arcade's Revenge, and that is what actually got me into the X-Men was that game, because I was like, oh, you know, you're still growing up being like, hey, these characters all interact with each other in the same universe. So that, you know, made my brain go, oh, what else is there? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you start seeing everything else. Like, you see, like, action figures. That was the other, the other thing. As soon as I found out they made toys of these characters, like, I have to have them. Oh, yeah. And that's one thing that I loved about, uh, I still do to this day, like, and love about Stan's influence on the comic industry is that he 
inspired people to use their imagination to find themselves, you know, like to be who you are. And that was like big thing with me because I didn't know what I was into growing up. I didn't know who I was. And he kind of helped spark that, you know, that initial draw into like trying to figure out who I am as a person. And I initially just found my way through Marvel, you know. I think a lot of us did. I mean, I know there are a lot of people out there that started this exact same way with, with DC as well. And maybe just comic books in general, like Archie comics and stuff. But, you know, between DC and Marvel, you know, like we've mentioned earlier, DC puts out some good stuff here and there, but I always felt Marvel had uh, stronger characters as far as being fleshed out with personality. Like you mentioned with Tony Stark and I've mentioned with Peter Parker, but then we have people like Bruce Banner, characters like Bruce Banner, who they deal with. That's that's a pretty good uh, representation of somebody that struggles with um, anger issues and feeling like they don't belong whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, X-Men is kind of the same way as far as they don't feel like they belong, but I, th- I feel like that's more discriminatory you know, kind of actions. But where Bruce Banner was concerned, he just didn't feel like he belonged at all because he was that much different. Right, and then when he eventually blew up, that was like a totally different di- you know monster, but you know. Yeah. Then I'm trying to think because I, I want to say one of the first, one of the first characters that Stan had uh, helped co-create was the Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. which that right there, that's I want to say they didn't they call that one like Marvel's first family or something like that. I think so. Yeah, because you know you got a husband and a wife, a brother and then a best friend all rolled together that you know they've shared this this accident mm-hmm. but it made them bond even closer but you you know you have other characters uh that like obviously the x-men were the same way because the x-men you can take and you can is that that universe is so expansive in its own right there's so many characters in there you know you have people like uh obviously like wolverine who's the loner like that i think that's a big relatable character to a lot of people is like just being a complete loner mm-hmm. you know and he's always the type of person that deals with his own shit then you have like a character like Rogue who she's struggling to, you know, be a teenager and have that bond and connection with another human being, but she saps their strength out of them so she doesn't know what to do. It's like, do I get close to this person or do I just, you know, stay away from them basically? Mm-hmm. And she wants that bond, but she can't really do it like any other normal person would. Yeah, and you know, like I said before, we you know, we may be all over the place with this stuff, but it's it's just like what we recall, you know, growing up with. And then into the later years, um, I felt like those characters and stories um, kind of helped me through times. Because, you know, I had friends growing up, but I didn't have like closer, closer friends until probably later in life as far as uh, late middle school to like early high school and then some. But as far as, you know, being probably elementary age, um yeah, I had friends, but I, I didn't feel like I really fit in. I didn't, I never like was a molded person. I was, you know, I talked to any and everybody, but I never felt like I had my own um, identity. Right. But this, it helped. Reading all these things helped a lot with that. Yeah, because, you know, that's what we mentioned earlier with, it's not just the entertainment value that people pick up on. Like, yeah, there's action, there's, 
you know, these gigantic, like, badass enemies and these superpower beings, but at the same time, it's like, you can only go so far with that concept before it becomes, like, just a stale interest. And then you start throwing in human elements, you know, emotional elements that you can look at this character and be like, wow, I relate to, you know, Peter Parker or I relate to Tony Stark in some form or fashion to where that that's my character, not just because of the power that they possess because they're a cool spider mix or he's crafting an armor that can literally, you know, decimate cities and stuff. But, you know, it's just there's something about them that Stan was like, you know, I see this every day. So I want to write about this part right here because I know there's people out there who struggle with it. And this is my way to connect to those people without directly being with them. You know, it's yeah. like it's like indirect, you know, subconscious feeling that made us reach out to Stan in some way and be like, look, dude, you're you're helping me, mm-hmm. you know, and not many people know how to do that anymore. Like, how do you reach out to anybody these days without it being okay, I'm going to call this person, I'm going to text this person, I'm going to write a letter to them, or I'm going to go to their house and be like, hey, what's up? And that that can be limited based on where you're at. So what can you do? And Stan found his niche in it. With also, you know, being his creative side, it's like, hey, this is my gift to the world. Yeah, and along with that, I wanted to mention a couple of other characters specifically because we talk about, you know, personal things but the, you know and then there's more social um ideals and things like that like the character daredevil and you know he created that character with bill everett uh, that to me is the embodiment of people that struggle with um with religion and with um what's uh trying to think of the right way to word it they struggle with that and uh, i guess a moral their moral compass they struggle with you know because matt murdoch is you know, Catholic, you know, blind lawyer, but he's going out at night and just fucking everything up in sight. I mean, you know, he's, like he's, bad guy wise. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of like the bad man of this era, if you think about it, because mm-hmm. he, he has to struggle with like, okay, do I, you know, kill these people? Do I maim them real bad? Or do I just, you know, bring them in based on what they've done? And Matt has to struggle just like Bruce does. You know, he can't break his moral code because, you know, this person kill 20 people or something you know yeah and it's it all boils down to like i'm a hardcore catholic <laughs> you know this this is wrong but mm-hmm. i but i'm struggling with that because i feel this is like somebody could go into the like the court system could fail them you know, could fail whoever this person you know was fighting and it's like or electra can come and influence them again pretty much you know and uh, that that's a Frank Miller character, but you know, obviously, like that was a big, you know, I mean, speak- representation of um, peer pressure, basically. Speaking of Franks, how about Punisher? I mean, you have like hardcore PTSD character that struggles with integrating into the real world because of everything he's been through, and you know, just he goes his own path, you know, carving, you know, justice into the system because nobody else will do it. But at the same time, it's the same thing with, like, Daredevil. Like, he doesn't struggle with what he thinks is right or wrong. He does it because that's how he sees it. Yeah. But, you know, you have people who deal with, like, loss and depression and just rage-inducing emotions from just their history. 
and you don't really reach out to those people because you don't know how to. Yeah. So, you know, you have Frank Castle, who's like a good representation of, you know, what people like that deal with. And I'm trying to think, I'm not sure if Stan had anything as far as the creation wise, but the characters themselves, I think Stan knew, I say knows, he knew that no matter who it was, like these characters had something relatable. And I think that that's what's bringing me to my next one is Black Panther because it was one of the first, if not the first, like larger scale, like African-American superheroes. And that is a big deal still to this day. It's a, um, I remember growing up, uh, I had a couple of friends of mine that loved these characters, but you know, they, they were like, you know, where's my character? And it's like, this is it. Uh, fucking black Panther is that character. And it's a hell of a character, you know. He runs his own country. He's a diplomat for the whole entire world of his country. You know, he has, like, spiritual um, tie-ins with, you know, how he gained his power with the, the Black Panther spirit. You know, and it's just, he struggles to basically rule a kingdom, not let his kingdom be overrun by the outside world and corrupt what he has built with his ancestors, you know, before him and just be the hero that his father, you know, wants him to be or what he wants to be basically. Yeah. Like that's a good character on so many, so many levels. And another character that really, I think really kind of hits home for a lot of people is Dr. Strange, not necessarily because of, Oh, he's a surgeon, blah, blah, blah. But He's, it's one of those, hey, what do you do when, you're, when your profession, when your gift or your your talent, ability, your yeah. ability is, human abilities are taken away, you know, and it's, now that gets on the cosmic side more, you know, obviously all this is fantasy, but this delves more so into that fantasy realm, but I think a lot of people can relate to Strange as well because I think he's a good example of like, oh, hey, this is kind of this arrogant asshole that kind of gets put in his place by life right? and finds a spiritual quote unquote, I use air quotes like a spiritual path elsewhere and just becomes a sorcerer and he decides to use his powers for good. And see, speaking of the cosmic side of things, I think there's a group that I can come up with now that relates in this topic too is the guardians. Mm. Cause if you really think about it, each individual character was isolated from their own, you know, civilization or their culture or whatever you want to call it. And they did their own thing. They got in trouble. They, you know, did good or whatever they did, but they just weren't noticeable. They weren't recognized throughout the whole entire universe. And then they finally came together, even though they, you know, struggled to bond with each other, they eventually became that family that they never had or they lost. Yeah. It's that that good, like, level, level, ugh lovable dysfunctional family right and it kind of highlights the the aspect that you know we were talking about earlier with you know we don't belong like we felt like there's nobody out there that we can call a family or friends or whatever and these five you know just happen to come together and like hey we actually fit together like we can deal with this bullshit (laughs) and you know actually make things happen you know Mm mm-hmm uh, I want to kind of move to uh, kind of move to like the uh, the TV 
side of things like cartoons because like you know this is this is us like talking about these characters now and we're gonna meet in the middle somewhere because like you know obviously we explained as kids how our comic book side had come out but like we move on to the cartoons because everybody knows saturday morning rolled around or if you got out of school and you turned on uh fox you would get Spider-Man and X-Men and X-Men. And then they even had like short run, like Silver Surfer and Incredible Hulk cartoons from the same companies and stuff. So, but I think the Spider-Man and X-Men cartoons were the most popular, especially like 1993 through, I think what 96 or 97, I think maybe further. But I, I just, <sighs> to see it all visually play out because these cartoons were pretty faithful to the comic storylines and I, I remember on a few occasions where the X-Men made me really stop and think. You know, and the, this is back when... And I'm, I'm totally going to shit on today's stuff because those cartoons had seasons worth of content. Now, we get a cartoon only if there's a movie out. Mm-hmm. And those cartoons generally don't really um, match up to the... Uh, the same scale as the movies. Yeah, or the or the cartoons of yesteryear. Yeah. Like, which one did you really notice first? I mean, even if it wasn't the ones on Fox, because I remember I noticed the uh, the reruns of, like, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, where it was uh, uh, Iceman and Firestar. That was, I think that was my first introduction. Mine was, like you said, the 1990s Spider-Man and the X-Men, because, like, any other kid back in that time era, like, you come home from school and during the like two hour long like session that they have for cartoons like from three to five you had the x-men pop up and you just hear that epic like x-men okay and you turn to the tv and you see freaking wolverine slashes claws out with a little arc around him and then cyclops pulls glasses off and he shoots in the sky and shit yeah like that's what i recall like the most and then that and just the whole cartoon intro with Spider-Man where he gets bit by a spider and has the flashy lights behind him and he's just like, nah, nah, nah. Yeah. I think that was one of the first cartoons to use like a little bit of CG in the background. Like mm-hmm. where the backgrounds that normally people would just paint the action on top of moved as well. And so I can remember sitting and watching be like, oh my God, I'm like this is so cool. Funny story, actually. I just remember this part. My mom had a Windows 95 computer at one point and... On this computer, they had this uh, CD-ROM of a comic book maker with Spider-Man. Okay, now you're bringing back a memory for me, too. Because I put that disc in, I was like, what the hell is this? And I played it with it, and I was like, oh, cool. So you can actually make your own comics, comic cells with cartoon characters from the uh, Spider-Man era. But what was really interesting was you can either draw it out yourself, or you can do like the actual pre-made like characters, but also... If you hold down the button and you scroll the character across the screen, it'll actually animate. Like, oh, that's so cool. In the background, I thought that was really neat. So I played with that for like days, if not weeks, you know, at a time. Now, I had, you brought this up, and I can't believe I, I even forgot about this. Uh, I don't, I don't remember what line it was, and I feel like, not dumb for it, but it's just like, how, how did I forget? You know, there was a, um, a PC game. Uh, with the Fantastic Four, and I remember it being Fantastic Four because obviously, like, visual memory. But 
I don't remember what it was called or what it was other than it was a, you put it in the computer and it pops up and it was an interactive uh, comic story where you would you know, click to move the pages and read the story. And I think these stories weren't adapted from anything. I think a lot of these stories were specifically written for these, these CD-ROMs. Right. But I remember, a fa- I remember Fantastic Four uh, being that one. And I remember there being like a Spider-Man one and I think there was a Hulk one. I never got those, but I, I oh sorry, I just remember. Bam! Yeah, boom! It hit me like a Hulk smash. Yeah, yeah. Hulk's mad because I didn't get his, I didn't get his game. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there weren't that many good ones. Sorry. <laughs> right, you know, but yeah, dude, that's that's the stuff I remember. Like going into my, um, going from, I guess like elementary school to middle school, and. You know, I always kept that, you know, in the back because we still came from that time where it was not cool to like comic books. It was mm. not cool at all to be a superhero fan, like whatsoever, by anybody. So, And then you you have that like underground like kind of community that would reach out to you and be like, hey, this is, this is cool. You should, you know, get into it. And that was like I was talking about earlier. That, that was pretty much what people like Stan Lee would do to reach out to those that felt inadequate, you know? Yeah. And that let that be a reminder, like, throughout this. I know we go off on tangents, but if it were not for Stan helping to make these characters, I don't think we would have had the childhood that we both had as far as, you know, in, not exactly the same, but I think to some degree anybody that grew up with these characters can relate. It would It would be off. Like, there would be something missing, basically. If you really analyze it, yeah, Cause yeah, because like, I can't imagine my life without any of this shit. Yeah, because we grew up with so much other shit, and you know we are you know grateful that we did, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, you know, there's like with me, there's Darkwing Duck. That I was just I just like Darkwing Duck. You know, it was yeah. nothing connected wise on a subconscious level that made me go like, oh well, I relate to him, or you know, like with SWAT cats and stuff like that. Like I, I like so many different things growing up, but nothing really impacted me more besides video games than you know comics especially marvel comics so it would be like an off-put feeling not having that connection to you know oh well you relate to this character we're, we know you're there we know people like you are there so we're trying to reach out to you and say look it's okay we got this you got this yeah and and as, like you said it's not a knock on the other cartoons but one could argue that it's they were mindless viewing not like oh these are bad they're gonna rot your fucking brain out but you didn't really have to think about it i felt like it was just it was just action it was just like oh look they have a problem they're solving it yay yeah these characters make you think um hell i know one thing that he i say one thing stan has done many things for the comic book industry but um i just thought about it like i think the one one of the big contributions, even though it was a very indirect contribution, he helped reform the comic book code because, um, the thing before, like this, I think this was like way back in the sixties, maybe like late fifties, sixties and into the seventies. I'm trying to remember what decade it was in that it happened, but I remember there was a, I want to say it might've been a Spider-Man comic book or something, but basically, um, 
they talked about drugs openly and how it would affect your life, this, that, and the other. And they didn't want to, you know, release it, but they were like, no, fuck this. We're putting it out anyway. Mm -hmm. And people read it and it had such a strong response positively, you know, that it depicted a real world, you know, tragedy that can befall anybody. So the, the code of ethics were changed where it's like, Oh, Hey, you can definitely talk about this because it's relatable and it's, something people struggle with you you know everybody has their own struggles but i thought it was interesting to see how far we've come since those decades because mm-hmm. you really you pick up a comic book now and it's almost like all bets are off in most of these things and back then you before that happened i don't think that was anything you know yeah you you would basically like censor a lot of the com the context that will come up and they would just be like, well, you can still get it, but it's hard to come across. Now it's like you literally look at a rack and it's like, oh, well, what can I look up today? <laughs> right? Oh, God. But I don't know, man. I It's hard to... Oh, God. It's hard to, like, really put into words, you know, withstand what he meant to... What he meant to the industry and what he meant to entertainment, what he meant to... Each uh, individual person... Yeah, because everybody's going to have their own opinion and their own story to tell. Much like, I'm sure most of you listening out there have at one point, if you're not a super fan of Marvel or anything, I'm sure one of you at some point in your life have, you know, watched a Spider-Man cartoon or have seen, you know, any of these characters, you know, in advertisements on, on TV or billboards or just magazine article, anything, gaming you you know who these characters are even if you don't read about them you know who the fuck they are All right and that's a big deal to be able to create something that goes beyond your imagination to pen and paper it, these characters transcend um all the formats that they're presented in mm-hmm. you know we cosplay as these characters now it's it's pretty much anybody that cosplays as these characters getting to live out that that amazing fantasy so to speak or even now there are people like us writing about these characters in their own like you know fan fiction or whatever you want to call it um to where you know what if they went this direction with this character or this direction with it you know they're they're letting their imagination run rampant because stan and others with him basically portrayed that message like don't inhibit inhibit yourself from being who you are and letting your creativity out you know do you be you you know don't don't let yourself short don't sell yourself short basically yeah and i think there's a few things i want to touch on before we get out of here because i know we could probably spend all day on this but i you know we just wanted to kind of get in and you know put our two cents in on the life of this dude which you know you there are infinite amount of words you could do infinity war yeah exactly infinity words um I know we don't want to end any of this on a somber note or a sad note. So um, I think one of the things that Stan became most known for before he left us were his various cameos in all the live action Marvel anything mm-hmm. before he left. I mean, uh, there were so many of them, but there I'm sure there are people that have different favorites or, you know, anything like that and what comes off like what comes to mind first when you think about his cameos i mean because this has been 
in like the uh, Fox films, the Sony Spider-Man films, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, and I'm sure many others like Big Hero Six, you know, like the animated stuff. So, I mean, just the main three that popped up first was the uh, Civil War. Whenever <laughs> he walks up to the door with the facts, like, "Are you Tony Stank?" Yeah, dude, that. <laughs> And then, he's at the FedEx guy. And then, yeah, and War Machine's like, yeah, this is Tony Stank. God. Um, the second one was the Spider-Man uh, little part with uh, Infinity War when he's like, what's wrong with you kids? Ain't you ever seen a spaceship before? Oh, my God, yes. And but then... Um, his delivery was always just perfect. Mm-hmm. And then my other favorite was uh, in Ragnarok whenever he was trying to cut Thor's hair. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, do not cut my hair and he just grabbed that machine just hit it and it like had all these apparatuses he's just like please don't cut my hair <laughs> I think a few of mine were a few of mine were subtle uh, the first Iron Man when Tony starts going to that gala presentation he's like looking good Hef and then Dan turns around with a pipe in his mouth I'm like oh my fucking god mm-hmm. like some of the stuff that he just didn't have bit parts in or um Sorry, some uh, dialogue were pretty funny. I, but I think one of the funniest pieces of dialogue he had was whenever it was uh, Age of Ultron when they're in the bar or they're drinking or whatever, and then Thor is uh, trying to give him a fucking shot of alcohol from Asgard. Mm-hmm. And he's just sitting there, and he's like talking about how he can take it. And then Thor's just kind of like, all right. And then the next shot is him being carried out by two people, and he's like, Excelsior! <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that one. And... There was, I want to say he got mistaken for Larry King in Iron Man 2. I think so. That was another one too, which the the cameos he made where he would get mistaken for whoever. And it was Tony Stark that would mistake him every fucking time. Then there was also the Ant-Man, the first one, whenever, um, I can't remember his name, but he was doing his like storytelling aspect. And then there was the one part where Stan was like the bartender and he's just like talking as, oh, the, as yeah. the guy, he's like, yeah, it was super fly funk, you know, kind of stuff. Um, Michael Pena? Yeah. Yeah. God. Like, just the way he talks and had Stan Lee's mouth open and closed to the words is so fucking funny. Uh, the Winter Soldier? When Cap goes to the museum to get his suit back? Oh, And he's yeah. the security guard? Oh, man. I am so fired. <laughs> <laughs> like, poor dude. He's like... Who the hell is going to fire a 92-year-old man? Like, that's fucked up. <laughs> this is dark humor, but Thanos. Yeah, and there, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk about that for a second because there was like a, a a meme going around the internet where that was happening where they put the disintegration effect on Stan just like in Infinity War. And people were like, that's so disrespectful. And I'm sitting here like, dude, I think Stan would have chuckled at that. I think that's he. there would have been no better way to represent that than the Thanos finger snap and he's mm-hmm. just like whoop cause yeah <laughs> he's just like it's Celsior and just disintegrates <laughs> oh the Deadpool one where he's the fucking uh, strip club MC and we've seen this going around the internet too which this is also kind of messed up um, Deadpool is going to be the only Marvel character that knows Stan Lee died because he knows he's a character mm-hmm. so Wrap your head around that one for, for a minute. But I honestly think like one of the the best cameos he's ever done, or the best on screen anything he's ever done, 
was not in a Marvel film, but was in the film Mallrats. Because he gives Brody Bruce advice, which is the main character. Um, he gives him advice, you know, on life and love. And I think that, <clears throat> I think that monologue or dialogue that he gives still holds up to this day so impactful. And I don't know. I, I just feel like Stan was probably one of the best dudes to take advice like that from. He just seems like Stan came from a time where, you know, by all intents and purposes, he could have been that, you know, that old racisty grandpa person, but he, he just fucking was not. And that's one thing I've respected a lot about him. And I'm sure everybody else did was he was always for equality and always for breaking down racial barriers and loving people because everybody are, you know, everybody was born, you know, on this planet. And, you know, no matter the the way you cut it or dice it up is, you know, everybody's here. And we're all just here trying to live, live a good life. Yeah. So I think I, I think a good thing to do for everybody who hasn't done this yet is there's a video running around with Stan Lee's like one of his most popular quotes that he actually verbalizes. And the entire f- way the video runs is like every Marvel character in a sad sequence is like listening to Uncle Stan or Grandpa Stan talk. Like, there's a part, and I know this is sad, but I'm not trying to make it sad. Um, the scene with uh, Captain America carrying um, Bet- Betty? Yes. On the casket, yeah. like, they had that part in there, and it's just like, they're all hitting that emotional hit now with Stan being gone, but he's reminding everybody, it's like, it's okay. You know, I'm giving you this to go with, basically, and I want you to remember my words. And it's such a good video not because it's like you know emotional and sad but it makes you realize that even though you know he's gone he's given us such a huge gift for us to you know have to be ourselves like we talked about this whole episode and i would highly recommend people to find that video and just watch it and just be like let that let that be the reminder of stan lee if you haven't you know had that impact like we had already like he let that video be what you know you see stan lee as yeah. I don't think I would have I don't think we could have or anybody could have done it more justice than that than that video in particular. In fact, there's a few there's a few videos out there that you can watch, but especially that one right there is is probably the probably the best one, you know, yeah. in my opinion. And again, like we could sit here all day, but I don't know that I could do any more justice in words because there there's really not enough words to do to do this man's justice other than you know look at the legacy he left behind mm-hmm. and left for so many people because these characters are going to be forever oh yeah so i feel like as long as these characters are relevant and alive in comic form stan is not really gone Mm-mm. he's just kind of with us in in ink and paper form in fact i think that's where he, i think that's what they should do they should like give him his cameos in in, uh, comic book form a complete immortalization yeah Mm -hmm. so I don't really have anything else to say honestly Um, like if you if you follow our social medias that's cool I mean we're not going to plug all of it but it's just like you know check us out on social media we've got some uh, we've got some you know 
stupid pictures to look at on Instagram, obviously. As um, usual. Yeah. I think I might try to find some good, some good Stan Lee ones to throw up on there. Mm. Cause that'd be kind of cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll be back next week. Uh, like I said, this isn't like really a typical sign off for us at all. Like, mm. So um, I guess until next week, shades on. Excelsior.